Hello again, and welcome to the Red Dwarf Introcast, where we talk about Red Dwarf episode by episode. Longtime fans and newbies alike journey into the darkest, deepest regions of space to follow the adventures of the mining crew of the. Well, not anymore. <laughs> they follow the remnants of the Red Dwarf people who are now on Starbug, and it's still cool. Uh, my name is Heath. I'm Angela. I'm Shane. And our special guest this week. Hi! Hello, everybody. Uh, Hi. My name's Phil. Um, it's great to finally speak to you all. Um, I've been listening for a year now, and uh, I've really enjoyed going on this sort of journey of sort of rediscovering the show with you all. Aw. Awesome. Glad to have you along. Um, well, let's see. Uh, do you want to tell the folks before... Oh, yeah, this week we're going to be talking about uh, Series 7, Episode 2, Arrubbers. Um, Robbers. Uh, That's really hard to say. Oh yeah, I'm sorry. Episode three. Whoops. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> um, episode three. A robberus. Um, do you want to tell the folks? Uh, is there anywhere else on the internet where they might find you, or uh, sort of what is your history with Red Dwarf? How did you get into it? Well, yeah, the history. It's quite a way uh, long time ago. It was 1988. Uh, I've got a brother who's two years older than me. And I walked in on him watching this show, which I now know was uh, Better Than Life, so way back in Series 2. Um, we recorded the episode Queeg, and we just watched it over and over that summer, oh. right up until <laughs> right up until backwards, which, yes, sort of took me by surprise a little bit as well. I completely yes! understand. I completely understand your reaction to that one. Yes! Um, yeah, so that took some getting used to, but then the next week there was Marooned, which was genius, yeah. and mm, uh, yes. I just went full-on uh, sort of uh, fanatical, and I got all the novels and every series that came out, and yeah, I mean, it's never really let up. It's been with me forever, and I've met friends, and I've been to weddings, and you know, it's just it's coloured my whole life, basically. Um, but yeah, on the internet, I do sort of comment quite a lot on uh, the Ganymede and Titan site as... Uh, Manny506, and uh, and I'm also Femess on uh, Twitter. So, yeah, that's me. Awesome. Phil, you're my new best friend. <laughs> 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 um, but the Smart Party song was good. I, I always like <laughs> and I like the episode now as well. I do like the episode. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I'm, and I've, I've said it, but I'm, I'm convinced that, um, that the difference in people's experiences with that episode is if a lot of like a lot of people if you come to it watching the episodes in fairly random order catching reruns when you can and you're familiar with the characters and then you get to backwards it's like you know oh it's a funny one-off episode but if you're going yeah. in order uh like we were and then like you were uh then the complete character changeover you're reeling from that and then instead of sort of the dialogue based humor it's it's a camera gag based humor and yeah, it was just, it was shocking and confusing and scary, and I didn't like it. Um, and so. Series 2 Crichton is my strange Crichton still, because obviously I got used to Robert Llewellyn's Crichton, and then yeah. went back and saw, oh, what's that? <laughs> you know? Yeah, and you know, I actually, I recently went back and watched um, Crichton uh, back in Series 2, and yeah, it is it is strange now. Um, it is I will such say, a funny I, episode, one of my favourites, definitely. Yeah. I mean, I didn't think that uh, that David Ross did a bad job uh, necessarily, and and in fact, he had some 
some pretty cool mannerisms going on, but I can definitely see where, like, for Paul especially, where it was really off-putting um, mm-hmm. having a different yeah. Crichton there. So Strange to uh, start with, but yeah, very, he, he's always lovable, however he's done. Mm-hmm. So, uh, this episode... Uh, Apart from in this episode, maybe, sorry. Yes, uh, this <laughs> we'll episode. get to oh, yeah. that. <laughs> um, well, let's see. Shane, tell us what Ouroboros is all about. A Starbuck crew from another dimension gets in contact through an opening in space-time. In that dimension, Krochensky is the one who survived on Red Dwarf and Lister is the hologram. She wants to have children, but before she can collect Lister's contribution to make this happen, she becomes stranded. As she tries to get back to her dimension, Lister begins to realize what it was meant when he was abandoned by his pens in a cardboard box with the word Ouroboros written on the side. Yes. Simple as That's that. as good a summary as any for yeah. <laughs> this interesting episode. <laughs> um, so the, so here's an answer. So the listeners are aware which version of Ouroboros did you watch? We watched, we watched both. both. Okay. Yeah, and really uh, there was... There was not as much difference between these um, as as it was the. Uh, uh, I think about six lines of dialogue. Um, yeah. Most of those are the cats, I think. You know, just some, you know, some not brilliant uh, cat gags that got cut. I think the only yeah. one that I actually noticed uh, was that in the extended version, uh, when Lister says, "Oh, so it worked out for you two. Couldn't be happier for you, except for major dental surgery." Um, they yeah. cut that. I think that was like the only significant line where it, it amounted to There was a to lovely it. shot, though. There was a shot where the two listers shook hands, which the first oh, time I yeah. saw it, I was like, how did they do that? Oh, that was yeah. good. Um, yeah. And, you know, so yeah, that was worth it, I suppose. Um, yeah. So let's see. So yeah, we start out and we see the uh, the origin of, of Lister, the baby in the box. And it was the cutest <laughs> baby and I happened to and notice then, in the credits, was that a baby cat? Yes, it was uh, Danny's nephew, I think. Yes, certainly was. Certainly was. There's, there's actually a story behind that, actually. Um, he, Danny John Jules was in the office one day, and there's, he was looking at the photos. Mm-hmm. And he was like, hmm, so what are these photos of? Oh, they're the baby we're going to be using for Lister. Really? Okay. They're about <laughs> ten hues of uh, brown, too brown. That would never be. That would never pass oh. as a young Lister. Wow. Danny would totally say that. I can completely yeah. imagine him saying that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, you know, as we learned from the Cosby Show, then skin color and genetics makes no difference when you have children. Oh, the Cosby family. Yeah, yeah that takes you back. And, and uh, so Danny's nephew just happened to look the part then. He really did. He like did, The first time did. I watched it, without even thinking, I was like, how did they find... Is that like a relative of Craig I, Charles? I, I, yeah, I assumed it was Craig Charles's nephew or, or something. Or, yeah. Uh, a cousin, did the baby yeah. have uh, dreadlocks? Um, I, I've forgotten. I can't remember if the baby did or not. I, I don't think they went for that. No, because that would be too far-fetched, for wouldn't the it? <laughs> gag. Yeah, I didn't, didn't notice if, if he did. Although Lister's babies in Future Echoes, I remember, had dreadlocks. So, yes, yes. not yeah. unheard of. <laughs> so, um, 
Yes, yeah, so we start out with that. And then we go to Lister doing a bit of personal hygiene. Which is lovely. Yeah. This is yeah. a lovely scene. For Lister, <laughs> it, it, you know, it really shows yeah, his slobbiness. <laughs> it does. I and love it. it. Yeah, go ahead. I love his slobby version of personal hygiene. Mm. Like he's trying to be all hygienic, but in the worst way possible. <laughs> yeah, they did this. It was sort of a callback. They did this a lot with early episodes, mm-hmm. but I think they're doing it better now. Like with the early episodes, like when he would put the cigarette in his ear and stuff, I would just literally get kind of grossed out and, 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 and it would be a bit more off putting, but I don't know if it's just how, you know, they've changed the character a bit or, or grown into them, but, but yeah, this I thought was just funnier and, and less for shock, gross humor. Sort of uh, the box plus attached to the face was, uh, yeah, <laughs> something that hadn't been done before. But yeah, it definitely reminded you of those old, you know, the old the shaving foam in the armpit, and yeah, mm-hmm. very very yeah. nice sort of su- subtle callback. Spray painting his bum. <laughs> oh um, yeah, brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he gets a lovely new dressing gown. Very nice. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, let's see. Then cat. Uh, comes to tell them that there's a thing but will not say whether it's a wibbly thing or a wobbly thing or what was it? <laughs> I don't know, but before that happens, Crichton is really disrespectful to women who work in charity shops um, for no okay, very is good that reason. That yeah, or, or, you know, women who work in Oxfam shops have nostril hair. That's not very nice. <laughs> Why did he say that? <laughs> I should point I should point out that Lister's dental problems were inspired by Craig Charles' real-life adventures with his tooth cap. When it dropped out, he foolishly decided to glue it back in with super glue instead of, co- <laughs> instead of consulting a dentist. Smart guy. <laughs> Which is, again, completely something that Craig would do. You know? Nice. Which, obviously, you need wood glue, not super glue. Right? <laughs> And that's a lovely example of, you know, Doug using something from real life and putting it in the script. Yeah, that works really yeah. nicely. They did the same, um, Ed Helms, uh, in the Hangover movies when he loses a tooth. He actually is missing a tooth there. Mm. What, and he glues one in with super glue? Oh, uh, probably not I that. Know, but... <laughs> I haven't actually seen the Hangover movies. I just know that they make up. I've, I've seen him a lot in our, uh, our version of The Office. Um, but yeah, <laughs> that's cool. I love how they make this assumption that women don't need to do embarrassing um, hygiene-related things. Like they never get nose hairs. Yeah, women for the aren't similarly ones. afflicted. Women aren't, you know, <laughs> I don't know, shaving the legs. That's quite a chore. <laughs> I imagine. I imagine. <laughs> oh, what about what about plucking eyebrows? Yeah. My goodness. Yeah. Th- those are the things... Well, plucking eyebrows is something I don't do. I tend to try not to pluck things. But yeah, certainly Crichton's line there, it just really stood out to me as, oh, that's a shame, because it was going quite well. And then he says that for... I don't want to get too hung up on it, but it seemed a bit unnecessary, that's all. We didn't, uh, actually, we didn't get that reference. I, I assumed yeah. he was talking to a particular region or, or area or something. I didn't know that the, that was the name for, um, 
for for charity shops. Mm. Oh, yeah. that's awful. Yeah, they're doing a good thing working in those charity shops, and he's having a go. That's, yeah. <laughs> Crichton. Well, you know, Crichton's a jerk through most of this episode. So. <laughs> yeah, we'll we will get to that. Um, yeah. <laughs> so. Uh, they go and investigate the wibbly-wobbly, spacey-wacy thing. And <laughs> it's, uh, you know, one of those random gateways to an alternate dimension that happen. Let's yeah. just go um, right through it. And let's yeah. just walk right into it, you know. Let's not worry about whether we can breathe in there. Let's, you know, oh, go no. for it. Spacesuits? Nah. <laughs> um, and so I, I, I was wondering about this alternate uh, parallel universe here. Mm-hmm. Um, so things are different colors. Crichton is gold. Uh, the uniforms are blue instead of tan. Yeah. Um, and of course, the, the main difference that we see is that we have Hollow Lister and Kachansky uh, was the survivor. Yeah. So this, this it causes a lot of questions. Um, mm-hmm. So first off, when when we go to that flashback, uh, first uh, first of all okay. on the flashback. That is actually a photo of Red Dwarf. It's a very good oh, really? model shot, isn't it? Oh, okay. And it's not a model; it's, it's a photo. Oh, that's, that's yeah, very impressive. The Red Dwarf itself is a, is a photo. Very impressive. Wow. Okay. I love that shot. Couldn't even dig up the model. <laughs> the model was destroyed, <laughs> they I think. They haven't used yeah. it in, like, several years. Well, what happened was that, obviously, the original model fell off the shelf. Yeah. Okay. Then they blew up the next model. Yeah. Ah. But luckily... Someone took photos of the second model. I wish they used that. And wow. how lovely to see and a model shot at all in this series. I mean, yeah, I mean, we do mm. get a couple. Yeah, mm. but we'll get into the second model shot later. Yeah. I've got yeah. something to say on that. Um, so in this universe, okay, there were some. I, I recently finished the first novel, and I'm not sure if it was ever. I know the novel timeline is a little different. Um, than what was what was in the series, uh, like for one, I think uh, in the novel the cat came from Miranda, uh, and Lister signed up at Mimas. In this, he picked up the cat on on Mimas. Um, I don't know though if that would be a difference in the parallel dimension or if it's a difference in both dimensions. Uh, I'm trying either to way, remember though, where Lister was coming back from, where he'd been uh, in that flashback scene. Can't actually remember. Mm. Uh, yeah, he he had been uh, had a few days off on Mimas. Oh, okay. Uh, which in the novel was where he had signed up for Space Corps, uh, but that was I think it's a bit different. So I'm not going to get hung up on the differences in the novel there. What did strike me as a bit odd is that was a very very young cat. How did that cat get pregnant? Exactly what I've got <laughs> in my notes here. That cat is too small and too young, and this is just wrong. Well, maybe it was a genetically modified cat. Oh, it's a self A triple cat. <laughs> well, wait a minute. So the cat is its own father? Is that what you're saying? Yes! <laughs> yes, it's oh a triple cat that can <laughs> self-replicate. Did anyone notice what Rimmer had written on his, uh, on his sign that he was holding up? Smeghead. Love that. Yeah. Um, I was watching of course, this- I didn't... Go ahead. I, I, I was watching this with commentary on, uh, with uh, and Chris Barry um, is watching it along with the rest of the cast, and I've got some lovely comments from him. Um, I mean, at this point, well, just before this scene, he says, uh, 
of course, under normal circumstances, Rimmer would walk in here, you know, and say, come on, everyone, let's, let's get to it. <laughs> yeah, and remember, don't tell us uh, when, if he's coming back or why he's, why he's yeah. left and that sort of thing. Well, I can why confirm that he for? was in the commentary booth watching this episode. <laughs> that much I will. Okay, yeah, yeah that's, yeah, that's yeah. fine, that's fine. And uh, um, D- Danny also comments that... Um, Chloe Annette's hair is very Monica Lewinsky. I just thought I'd share that with you as well. <laughs> it was meant to be the Rachel cut, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, that would be uh, that makes around sense. this time. I was mostly uh, saying, Rimmer! Oh, so great Yay! to see him. <laughs> yeah. But in, in this universe, then... So Lister died... Uh, he still brought the cat on, but he died. Kachansky, though, was the one who was frozen because she didn't want to give up the cat. Mm-hmm. So, does that completely change the history of the cat people and the cat religion? How does it end up exactly the same? That you still we have... don't know it. We don't know it um, ends up exactly the same, do we? Oh, if Lister became well, we just know there's a there's, yeah. We don't know. That, we just know there's a cat. Well, that's yeah. true. And he did act different. Like, I sort of noticed he was still stylish, but he was a bit more macho. Mm, you yeah. know, he had sort of a deeper voice and more of a macho Lee swagger, so... And to translate that, that would be macho. Macho. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and he says the word dude. Want... He says, here's the thing, your list of dude won it, as I, as I remember it. Yeah. Dude instead of bud. Oh. Yes. Crucial difference. Do you want me to give you some background on uh, Chloe Annett? Oh, yeah. Sure. Uh, Chloe became an actor through the traditional route of going to theatre school and being brought up in a showbiz family. Her father and brother are both directors. Um, she, she appeared uh, before Red Wolf in a, in my opinion, a god-awful science fiction uh, drama called Crime Traveler. Oh, yes, I remember this. Saturday night, before Doctor Who ruled Saturday night, there was... Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Crime, crime Traveler was one of those um, time travel things where she was in her apartment with a time machine in her apartment. She would drive up to the time machine, travel back in time five hours, go back outside her, uh, her apartment and get back in the car. Even though the car is supposed to be somewhere else. Sure, sure. <laughs> oh, I might watch this again. This sounds pretty good, actually. I might watch it. <laughs> but she she was a, a thief, I assume, using time travel to steal things? No, she was actually a police officer. Oh, okay. Oh. okay. I was crime. just guessing from the title. Solving crime. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Solving um, space crime. <laughs> so, uh, why couldn't... The original Kachansky uh, actress reprised the role. Apparently, the writers I... didn't weren't too keen on the original actress. Apparently, interesting. Yeah, a, a, a Honestly, I don't blame them. <laughs> <laughs> well, I uh, thought it particularly interesting that Crichton said that Lister's type was someone who said something instead of something, and I was like, yeah. wait a minute, original Kachansky kinda did, didn't she? <laughs> Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, I'm quoting from the collector's booklet, which is inside the Red Dwarf 7 DVD. Uh, quote, the problem was, was, the problem was that C.P. Grogan, who played Kachansky, 
in years past, has since moved on to TV presenting. She also represented an iconic Kachansky, one who one to be talked about rather than two. Mm-hmm. It was felt no, that she yeah. couldn't. Wouldn't, she, it was felt that she wouldn't slot easily into a filled out role. Which I, I can see that yeah. point of view as well. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, you, you couldn't really imagine her week, week on week, being with the crew. It's, uh, yeah, I can understand. You know, for however long she's going to be there. Yeah, she'll be there. Who knows? Careful. Who knows? Yeah. Who knows? She, she's there in the title sequence. She's there in the title sequence. There you go. All know. right. This oh yeah. At least one more episode of Kachansky then. Mm. Um. So. <laughs> She had audited, um, she actually auditioned for a role in, um, at the Ten Percenters, which was all, which was a television program that Doug Nather and that, um, the creator, well, the original creator, so that's both, um, Nather and Doug, well, sorry. Rob Grant and Doug Nather. Thank you, that's the word I was looking for. Yeah. <laughs> sorry guys, I'm incredibly tired this evening. It's okay. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, they, that was actually the, the last project together. And I think there mm. are some lines in the Ten Presenters that will crop up in future weeks. Oh, cool. I believe. Yeah, in, in fact, I know. I know, I know. I know at least one does. Yeah. They do... Uh, I have to say, I've, I've never watched the Ten Presenters myself. I have to be it's honest. It's never been repeated. It was shown and sort of not really noticed. But, um, yeah, it was quite good for a, for a sitcom on ITV. It was quite good. Mm-hmm. Okay. I want a screen cap of little kitten Frankenstein <laughs> looking out from the disintegrator. That was so cute. <laughs> that, was so that will be cute. all over Facebook. All over Facebook. Definitely. Oh, like, it was oh. precious. <laughs> yeah, and again, that Frankenstein's so much younger. Just to hammer home it's so a kitten, maybe, yeah. <laughs> Okay, maybe in Universe Prime, then he brought pregnant Frankenstein onto the ship... And in parallel universe, he brought Frankenstein the kitten onto the ship, and then a properly licensed, vetted, vaccinated cat happened to be there, and Kachansky bred them, and that's how she got caught. Maybe. Justified? Yep, justified. Sure. Because, you know, she she wouldn't be caught from, you know, posting pictures of her cat on Facebook. (laughs) I've got a... uh a few more notes about that flashback scene if that's okay yeah please uh, that was actually that flashback scene was actually her first scene mm. and to quote a in, uh, interview I was ser- seriously hyperventilating mm. I mean I can again she, I can imagine she didn't look it, nervous even if she didn't know much mm. about the show I mean the show was pretty huge in the UK um, for a few years before that so she must have known it had some sort of reputation, and um, yeah, I can imagine she would have been nervous coming into that. And she also knew, okay, I am here as the Rimmer replacement. No matter yeah. how good a job I'm mm. going to do, everyone's going to hate me. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, can yeah. you imagine the pressure? I think yeah. that Doug Naylor was, was at pains to, I mean, he really goes into this on the DVD, um, he makes the point, no, she wasn't to replace Rimmer. You know, he really, even though everyone's thinking it, mm-hmm. even as they're shooting it, they're probably yeah. thinking exactly what you've just said. But, you know, he really makes yeah. the point of saying, look, I did not bring her in to replace 
I can't remember why he brought her in. <laughs> I'm sure there were great reasons why he brought her in. But yeah, he, he does make the point of saying that's not the reason. Yeah. I mean, there, there, is, there are reasons uh, why he brought a female part back into the show. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and they're not, these are not really spoilery, so I'll go ahead and say them. Um, they wanted to do a Red Dwarf film. Um, a, pro- a, pro- a proper Hollywood star movie. Right, right. And he thought he thought it would be a lot easier if he introduced a female part. Hmm. Hmm. Okay, that makes sense. And and yeah. again, you know, I mean, goodness knows that there'd never been any you know uh, hilarious female actresses on the show that they randomly got. Wait a minute. Who knows? We might see her again. Sorry, Who knows? Can't... I'll I'll stop fussing about that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, that, uh, that's one thing. W- watching, I've been you know rewatching a few early episodes for nostalgia's yeah. sake, and that's one mm-hmm. thing. The show, you know, a lot. There's you know, the acting improved a lot. It has improved a lot over the years. There's been a mm-hmm. lot of things that they've really gotten sharper at, but um, it, it does make me miss both Hollies. Uh, mm-hmm. So, oh well. It's such a different show, isn't it? I mean, that, that, that's what I thought just watching yeah. this episode. Yeah. I thought it, it really brought home to me just how... Di- and in fact, I've got another quote from Chris Barry in the uh, in the commentary. Uh, around about this point, he says, Don't take this the wrong way, guys, but was Red Dwarf still a comedy at this point? <laughs> it's a fair <laughs> question. Yeah. I, I'm getting the feeling, and I know you can't really comment on this, but, you know, I'm getting the feeling that... Um, it, I think we, we've been saying in the Facebook post that it's becoming a bit more sci-fi drama with with some mm-hmm. jokes than sitcom that happens to be in space, which was sort of the, the original format. And I don't know, but my guess is that I'm really seeing the aspects of the idea that Doug was fond of rather than uh, he and Rob together. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that, that's a guess on my part, but it's just because... I know you. I know you've only seen three episodes, and I know you've talked about it briefly in the, uh, on the Facebook group. Mm-hmm. Um, but after three episodes, what do you prefer? It's, it's drama, but... still well. I mean, it's still rough. Um, at this yeah. point. It's hard hard to say at this point. Okay. Um, now you know the last episode. Obviously, we were really really. They were hitting on. To me, it was hitting on the comedy cylinders and space drama cylinders mm-hmm. e- equally it, it it was a just just about perfect for me um this episode i i preferred a lot of the comedy episodes to this one but i think i'm just peeved at this one for some other reasons okay um, so it'll you know it'll be hard to say i i do get the feeling though you know I, you catch these veiled comments and i get the idea that maybe as a whole series seven not a fan favorite um I get the idea that I think Angela and I are liking it a bit better than the general fandom, though. Mm-hmm. But, we'll, but then we'll again, see. you know, you knew that we enjoy um, character development and story arc. We mm. enjoy continuity. We like, we like the drama stuff. Yeah, and we we like our drama and our comedy mixed up to create a contrast so that both sides become you know, more obvious, better. Yeah, it's sort of balanced it's, out. It's less yeah. zany. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so it's it's not the the joke a minute that we sort of got used to. Yeah. But to me, when you know you're you're involved with 
you know, if you're really wondering, oh man, what's going to happen here? Because this and this, and and you, if it if it works a little harder to make you care about what the characters are going through and what's happening, then when the humor hits, it's yeah, there's a better contrast. It stands out. It's you know like um, white text against a black background instead of white text against a yellow background. At this point in says the designer. At, at, at this point yeah. in the series, as the series originally aired, I couldn't have been happier really because. I thought the JFK and the week before episode um, just just had a mm-hmm. sophistication about them that that wasn't there before, and I really mm. like that because Good I work. was I was telling people how great this show was, and people didn't believe me. People thought it was you know just a load of old nonsense, but um, but I felt I mean I showed that JFK episode to quite a few people, and I was like, look how cool this is! Look how you know. Obviously, you know <laughs> we, we, we realised the problems later with the continuity. I didn't realise at the time. Um, yeah. But yeah, yeah, I was yeah. at this point. I was just really intrigued, and that, that that thing with Lister's scene where he's a slob, and it's kind of like before, but you know, it's just there's a freshness about it that I really, really enjoyed at the time. Mm-hmm. Anything else on the flashback scene before we move forward? Nope. Uh, well. Just a quick, just a quick thing. Going back to the interview from Chloe. Yeah. Um, quote. The, but the night I remember more, I had dyed my hair. <clears throat> I had, I had it all cut off because I used to have really long hair, and I just thought I'd just give it a bit of a lift. So I went to Sainsbury's, and bought God knows what, Concahado or something, <laughs> and it was just horrific. It was all matte. And because I hadn't washed it out properly, it was all stiff. Aww. The poor makeup lady was trying my hair, but it was such an awful and hatch. And that's why it goes kind of Elvis as well, later on. There's a mad kiss curl. Mm. Um, yeah, that's bizarre hair. <laughs> I don't know. I thought that was reminiscent of the crazy hairdos that they usually have for women in sci-fi shows. Like the the braided quilted beehive and the also Lister's haircut is so distinctive. <laughs> Maybe they were just trying to find a really distinctive hairstyle for Kachansky. So yeah. yeah, yeah, you know. I liked her shorter haircut when she gets uh, the more scenes after. Oh this. yes, yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, let's see. Um, okay. So they decide they're going to exchange some things and, you know, information and upgrade each other's ships and whatnot and open pickle jars like you do. List of um, slippers. I have to mention list of slippers just very, very quickly. Oh, Love yeah. It. The butt, yes. Brilliant. <laughs> um, and then the Gelf have apparently developed spaceflight and uh, start attacking. <laughs> oh, and apparently uh, Kachansky carries around... Her own um, egg <laughs> on the <office. laughs> everywhere she goes, yeah. just, just in, in case, case she, she meets the right guy. <laughs> You've got to be in it to win it. <laughs> yeah, in her back pocket. Yep. It's like, it's oh, hey, I just happen to be carrying this around. Would you like to um, complete this <laughs> thing? But you know, I, in in fairness, I guess the you know um, the future of the human race depends on it. Yeah, true. She she's the last remaining human she in her universe, so yeah, uh, makes sense. Yeah, just in case you happen to come upon another one, you don't want to uh, waste an opportunity, I guess. 
Um, <laughs> oh, so. Uh, so then the plot devices uh, shoot at the space tunnel, <laughs> and uh, Kachansky has to be brought aboard uh, our Starbug. Yes, after the uh, harrowing rescue attempt by a dental floss, Ooh. which I wince every time I watch that. Oh. Dental floss in the future is amazing. <laughs> dental floss and wood glue. Yes, high tensile strength. It's cutting into... Um, that apparently won't cut through oh, your it, skin. It looks like it's right? about to, though. On Craig Charles. On his <laughs> lip. Oh, yeah. yeah. Very nasty. Thankfully, she's wearing <laughs> gloves. <laughs> I guess she would if she's carrying her eggs around everywhere. Surgical <laughs> 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 <Spherical> gloves. <laughs> so, um... <laughs> Let's see. Crichton, let's see. She wakes up, uh, lays one on Lister. <laughs> Crichton tries to explain the confusion, but uh, somehow Lister. I'm dealing with it, idea. man. I'm dealing with it. Go and make some sweet. Oh, sorry. Uh, <laughs> Quotes later on. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, I think hey. I saw people criticizing him in the Facebook group for this, but I mean, come on. That's the love of his life. <laughs> Well, love of his life, but I mean, he's been alone for a lot. He, I mean, just the last episode, he was masturbating with the holodeck. I mean, he's yeah. sad. He is sad and lonely, folks. Um, and she was very happy to see yeah. him. She, she kissed him, I'd say. For she a few kissed minutes. him to start with. Was that an egg in her pocket, or was she just happy to see him? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Oh. Oh, uh, and we do we're see all some. Twelve. <laughs> yes, uh, we do see some model work though. Mm-hmm. Uh, with yeah, with evading the gelfs. Uh, I was very pleased with that. There's actually a video of them making it. F- uh, I believe it was from. I'm literally just trying to remember the program how do they name. Do I think that? it's called. I think. Thank you. Yeah, that's actually on YouTube, which I'll be posting with, uh, in the Facebook group. Lynham, cool. who was a British Neat. sports presenter. Um, one of his side projects. <laughs> cool. Okay, I will have to say, Craig Charles is totally cracking up while Crichton is doing the whole <laughs> Gelf language uh, thing. Yes. Like, he's totally, like, he can't keep a straight face. He's trying to play it off, but he's about I've never noticed. Out. I will look out for that. <laughs> Definitely next time. Yeah. It was you'll like be, the only you'll thing be seeing, I could see. Yeah, so, so to spoil this um, for you guys, but you'll be seeing, if I can hold it together, later on in the quotes. And also, how nice to see the Gelf oh. back. I mean, that's an unexpected callback as well, I'd have, I'd have thought. Maybe you weren't expecting oh, to yeah. see her again. Misses. Yeah, very unexpected. Um, some... I noticed on the Facebook group some folks were wondering about that because, yeah, it didn't seem like they were particularly prone to having ships and space travel. They, like, had parts from Rex that they traded, but, um, you know, maybe they're a bit more advanced or maybe they just really got on the ball to find a ship that they could fly once the Lister thing happened, I guess. Mm. Or maybe they commandeered a ship. Yeah. Like, instead of trading with whoever went down, they just... You know, got rid of the crew or kept the crew hostage and took That's over. That's right. Lister has single-handedly driven Gulf society to become mercenaries. 
He has broken the Prime Directive. <laughs> and, yeah. And now they're going to be like the cat people. They're going to make clothes out of each other. All thanks to Lister. That guy. And Kachansky apparently uses unnecessary abbreviations. It's true. Well, you know, that was a thing, though. I guess you so. Know? I mean, you, you, you got a busy, a busy sketch. Uh, mm, you can't you can't take time with these extra syllables, or, or it's just so that the cat gets a gag. Probably <laughs> that's probably the main reason. Oh yeah, yes. Oh, you know what? I mean, speaking of uh, on, on all your procedural police shows here, then when they bring in somebody, it's like, all right, we got a we got a white male here, a G a GSW <laughs> to the chest, and I'm like, wait a minute. Gunshot wound is three syllables. GSW mm. is five. Why are you abbreviating to say more <laughs> syllables? Just say it's a gunshot wound. Yep, I agree 100%. You avoid... It's shorter and it avoids confusion. Anyway. <laughs> uh, let's see. Then. Okay. Um, so, Gulf situation gets straightened out and we, we start to... Um, we start to get whiny, whiny Crichton. This scene went on forever. Were they running out of time in the episode and had to stretch <laughs> this out? Like, I think it would have been effective. It had been, like, a third shorter. But it just went on. I was like, come on, Crichton, pull yourself together. a lot of things so far, was... but, yeah, this... Um... It caused the right old stink, this <laughs> Crichton's character change. <laughs> yeah, it was it was unexpected. I, we'd never I really seen yeah, I don't anything think to it's a that. character change, necessarily. Mm. I mean, I remember him getting sort of weepy and whiny over things, and I can't quite pinpoint the episode. I've been racking my brain. But well, he got really weepy when he found out what happens to Lister a la brain oh, in yes, the jar. That was, yes, that was quite similar. Yes. Yeah. And he get the high, high-pitched voice there. And he's been jealous. Of At the end of Camille, he was jealous of Camille's husband in a more subtle way. Um, yeah, that's true. So yeah. Um, and, and again, I suppose, to concentrate on the positive side of it, this was something that was fresh to this series. It was um, it was a new sort of mm. dynamic, and um, that, um, yeah. I've run out of nice things to say. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, I found it a bit. Yeah, I think they they overdid it a bit there. But um, what? Oh yeah. Oh, spe- okay. Now we have to talk about this. So, never <laughs> in the entire history of the show has it been indicated. That Crichton was responsible for the accident that claimed the Nova mm. Five. It was in the novel, which came out like during the second season, I think, give or take. But have they really expected every viewer to have read the novel? Why didn't they address this in a significant way before? I mean, they don't even say what happened in this episode. In the novel, it's explained that Crichton got a bit over carried away with his cleaning and cleaned the inside of the <laughs> navigation computer. Um. But that's complete. How have they not said this before now? And why would they introduce this sort of shocking information in uh, such a blase way? The novels and the TV—they they, they, they just get fact, mixed up. It's like a uh, Lister and Kachansky 
never had a relationship originally and yeah. then that changed around about season four and this is another thing where the novels have crept into the to the show um yeah it is, it is a bit uh, odd and in fact we got really angry with you shane when you yeah. were like yes. talking about some things you, you we were... thought you gave a major spoiler. Yeah, you you were doing a timeline trying to explain yes, I when, did. when everything Which I happened. cut out by the episode which yes. I cut out of the episode, yeah. by the way. Well yeah, and we were peeved. We were like, how could he just casually mention that? But you know what? The show oh. did it too, so it's <laughs> <laughs> we we can't really blame you for that. No. <laughs> um I assumed that there would be an episode where Crichton's tragic history as accidental murderer would would be brought out, but no, now we're just going to no. mention it in passing. No. Oh well. <laughs> I have actually got an incredibly long uh, quote from an interview that Robert Llewellyn did. Okay. Um, about well, not just the scene, right. but this episode in particular. Oh okay. yeah. Um, quote he's judging her on the effect she has on his mates so therefore it takes it into a whole new realm because it's an asexual character dealing with women his reactions to her aren't sexist he's not horrible to her he's very two-faced just like an embittered ex-wife or a jealous mother it was great because the chances to for a man to play that sort of role doesn't don't exist unless you're in a dress pretending to be a woman. Mm. So essentially, he's become a woman in some of those scenes, and be and a very embittered and vicious one. And this to put up with it, it is is very tolerant in the way a man would be with his mother. He has to listen to his whining and whinging. <laughs> Having seen as a couple of, of those scenes played back, it's very funny indeed and very peculiar. It couldn't exist anywhere outside this series. The, the, the actors mm. all are... That, that they love this stuff. I mean, in the commentary, Robert Llewellyn is full of praise and he, he has feminist backgrounds in his upbringing. Um, uh, Chloe Annette loves it. Um, at this point, they turn to Chris Barry in the commentary booth again for um, his third insertion here. Um, Craig says to Chris, are you missing the guy with the H? <laughs> and Chris says, uh, Chris <laughs> says, I would never say that. <laughs> um, I, I really enjoyed the, um, relationship between Crichton and, uh, Kachansky. That I liked. Yeah. And just let me clarify there that I'm really just complaining about the overblown scene between him and Lister there, I yeah, I thought went on went too, too far. But, but yeah, yeah, go ahead there because yeah, their interplay was kind of cool. Yeah, yeah, and this gets into the very next scene, which is um, she's still trying to find where, um, still trying to track down her own universe, and Crichton is trying his hardest to help her, and. One of my favorite scenes in the episode when she's asking why he doesn't like her. And <laughs> it's just brilliant. He gets, you know, <laughs> he's obviously trying to treat her with some modicum of respect, but it's not working because he's just so 
peeved at her and not liking her and you know she's and he he becomes just he sort becomes of nonplussed. So, I mean, it's it's really quite nice how bitchy he suddenly becomes, you know, <laughs> and uh, and yeah. obviously Kachansky's neuroses as well. It's yeah, it is a nice new flavor in a way. <laughs> Yeah, well, I liked that she is there, you know, and she um, she was a console officer. Uh, mm-hmm. I think the novels had her as third console officer, but I want to say maybe the series bumped her up in rank a little bit. Anyway, um, so yeah, she she's you know very competent, unlike uh, most of the remaining crew yeah. at the Red Dwarf. Although the cat has apparently become an expert pilot, so that's cool. Uh, but um, yeah, so she's there being you know professional woman and everything and and really and then like she has this sort of moment of vulnerability like why don't you like me because apparently (laughs) you know her Crichton likes her one would assume yeah so why does this you know the Crichton and it's you know why doesn't she have at least a friend on board while she's trying to get back home and I thought it was a nice it's been a really bad day for her all in all I know (laughs) it's been a bit of a bummer (laughs) (laughs) I I thought it was a nice moment of, of vulnerability. It sort of humanized her a little. You know, I'm just going to... I've been waiting, but I'm just going to come out and say, it. I really like Kachansky. Yeah. Like, a lot. I kept waiting for her to become the female stereotype, and I was, like, on the edge of my seat. You know how critical I was of female cat in the horrible American pilots... Mm-hmm. Um, and that, how she and embodied. That they, uh, Go ahead. And that they chose to uh, emphasize Holly's um, ditziness or uh, mm-hmm. memory problems only after mm-hmm. there was a female actor. Yeah, yeah. So I was really critical, and I kept waiting, and I was like, "Okay, she's going to be the uh, personalityless, uh, completely competent uh, character." Oh no, now she's showing vulnerability. Okay, well, she's going to be sort of whiny. Oh no, she's not being sort of whiny. You know, it's almost like she's reacting like a normal person would instead of how a quote-unquote female would. I mean, I gotta give props. Both the actress and, you know, Doug as a writer is obviously trying to make her into a person rather than a and, pair of tits. You know, she's got such a hard job to do. Um, you know, it's it's as you said. You know, yeah. she's seen as Rumor's replacement. It's completely stacked against her. And you know, th- 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 there is a received mm-hmm. sort of wisdom. Oh, that Kachansky, we don't like her. You know, and you know, it's uh, you know, hearing you say that, it's it's, it's hard to explain why. Um, but um, but yeah. But, yeah. But anyway, I, I I don't want to get too. Um, I'm worried about spoiling things. I don't know why. I don't think I have. <laughs> I do have a... Um, uh, I do have a uh, quote from an interview by Doug Naylor here, actually, talking uh, mm. about that, actually. <clears throat> quote, Kuchensky comes on board, and the fan reaction is going to be, uh-oh, we don't like this as an idea at all. We are not behind <laughs> this at all. This is a terrible idea. I- I'm glad he was very aware that... Yeah that reaction was going to be there. I thought if Crichton voiced that from the second that she was there, it would help them relax a bit and oh. go, oh, we're not the only one thinking this. He's a smart this. guy, isn't he? Okay. Because it would... Yeah. 
Because it would take time for people to like her. That's quite clever. Mm-hmm. That, 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 okay, that actually makes sense as to why they've gone this direction with Crichton, then. Mm. Yeah. Okay. That helps. That helps. Thank you. Um, one thing I did notice, though, and, and I think maybe it explains... So, for so long, we've had the, the interplay between Rimmer, the stuck-up prig, and then Lister is sort of the, the, the bad boy, and they've, you know, played off of each other. And then you had Cat just adding zany comment- commentary here and there, and then you have Crichton with all of his funny android stuff. So, I mean, they've, they've figured out their formula. Well, mm-hmm. now we're, we're without Rimmer. And they were all funny in their own ways. Um, I think with Kachansky, they're not... In this episode, at least, she doesn't get as many jokes. She's not a particularly funny character. Um, I think that they're aiming for her to be the straight person for the wackiness of the other three characters to play off of. Not in the same way that they did with Rimmer, because then it was sort of rebelling against um, a Martinet authority. But mm-hmm. her just being the sort of normal person with crazy cat, uh, weird android, and layabout Lister, that that she'll be sort of the person there for the audience to stand in and to to, and to play off. And how the cat, um, but but, but with um, her, how the cat plays down his zaniness when yeah. she's there, like he pretends to be more knowledgeable than he is, yeah. you know. I loved yeah. that. Yes. I loved that. Instead of say, hey, there's a female. I, I want to have sex with that, but I don't know how. <laughs> That's my only joke. Sort of like his his characterization there at the beginning where they were sort of feeling out him. But here, he knows that he's in a position of, you know, technical skills. You know, he's the pilot. And suddenly someone who's way more knowledgeable than him comes on and he's sort of trying to impress her and at the same time, you know, trying to be as competent as her. I sort of like that. It was, yeah, nice. No, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just wondering, though, that with her not being written to be a particularly comedic character... I'm wondering if, like, she is sort of going to be seen as a symptom of how the show itself changes, as a more serious Mm. space drama instead of a comedy. And so suddenly she comes in, the show is different, uh, maybe the show isn't as humor-based, and it's like, well, yeah, they brought her in, and then it wasn't funny anymore. Yeah. Um, I think maybe she's she's going to be uh, uh, associated with that. So even though I think she's a good character, and it totally worked for me, I'm, I'm thinking that maybe that's going to be maybe part she's of a the scapegoat. Fan maybe people do pin these things on her that actually aren't her fault. It's it's other elements. Um, yeah, maybe it, you know, it's it's very unfair that. Yeah, well, you know, I, I'm just very yeah. aware of people shouting at me saying this. And stop defending Kachansky. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to be there with you defending Kachansky. Like yeah, this episode, at least. Yeah, this episode. I don't know how it's going to go in the future episodes. Maybe, you know, she devolves into stereotypes. But I, I think I remember someone in the Facebook group calling her a cardboard cutout or a female archetype. And I just didn't see that. I just really didn't. Maybe she'll become one later on. But 
I saw her more as a fully actualized person. And I was expecting it not to be. <laughs> yeah, you were ready to hate her. I was ready to hate her with her <laughs> red leather pants and her. <laughs> okay, that outfit was utterly ridiculous. In a show of ridiculous outfits, yes, it was utterly <laughs> ridiculous. Okay, um, so they are figuring out how to get back, uh, get her back home. Uh, they slap high fives. Things. Yes, <laughs> that was nice. Um, and then suddenly Lister comes across the box and realizes that Ouroboros is a word, which, you know, he didn't bother to look mm. up his entire life. Only Lister would never <laughs> think to look up the only word that might link him to his past. Well, this episode was the first time I'd ever heard that word, so I don't know my... Is it Greek mythology? Um... It's um, it's like it's maybe even older than Greek. I mean, it's like Egyptian. Yeah. Uh, the the symbol of a serpent swallowing its tail as infinity or eternity. That's it's a really really yeah. old symbol. Yeah, and I mean, and it, pop, the it snake pops was, up in multiple mythologies. Yeah, and the snake was already a symbol of renewal and rebirth because, because they of shed it shedding skin. its skin. Yeah. And so that's why you have, um, you know, the medical symbol. It's the uh, Aeschylus? No, hang on. Caduceus. Caduceus. There we yeah. go. Uh, which was the staff that... Uh, it looks kind of like Mercury's staff, but it was also held by... Oh, who was the physician? Oh, yeah, that dude. <laughs> was that Aeschylus? Uh, anyway. Hippocrates. Well, no. Hippocrates was an actual... Oh. Yeah. No, there was a mythological physician oh, okay. that was trained, and I want to say it, but anyway. So there you go. That's why there's snakes on the medical symbols uh, for, like, oh, okay. ambulances and the like yeah. here. No, no, I, I did not know that. Yep. yep. They shed their skin, so the thinking is, wow, you know, so if they get sick, they just plop off, they regenerate. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, let's see then. <laughs> snakes are time lords. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe time lords are snakes. I Take should that, I, John Hurt. I should point out it's a ding, ding, ding um, time because, of course, this is one of the impossible questions that you guys ah, had a few weeks ago. Oh, wonderful quiz. Oh, yes. yes. What was written on the? Yes. Yeah. What was written on the box? Oh yeah. We were like, I don't know. <laughs> it says public call box. Um, <laughs> that section of the quiz was so much fun to listen Let's to. See. I, well, the whole the whole thing was. Ah, uh, yeah. He Ian did. Yeah, he did a brilliant job of he balancing did. out that quiz. I mean, it's it because where we're at, both in terms of how many, how off, how much we've seen the series, and how, how often, often we've, we've watched the episodes. Yeah. Um, he, I think, did a very fair job, and and Shane and Paul. And all this square. will pay off for you in so, a matter of weeks. Um, You'll know what the hell all those impossible questions were. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um. Oh, I do have to point out that when they're on the green screen in, in the the warp tunnel, there, um, mm-hmm. obviously there's not much green screen to go around because all the running they have to do, and they have to do these little <laughs> tiny mincing running in place steps. And it there were a lot of photos ridiculous. that came out it before does. the series of you know of the characters in this strange blue environment, and in still frames, it looked really mm. good. 
Um, but yeah, in in the actual episodes, yeah. maybe could have been better. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, you know, nothing for it unless you just want to build a you know hundred yard long green screen, which would have it's yeah, it's hard to film people running. Yeah, there are a handful of actors that can pull off running well. Tom Cruise. Yes. Christopher Eccleston. <laughs> oh, yes. yes. Yeah. He, he was even better at running than David Tennant, I will say. Although in the Slovene episode, yeah. Yeah. That had a lot of different Maybe he was just really good problems. at saying the word run. Maybe that's what I was getting confused with. Yeah. Run. Yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. I, I didn't say. Oh, no, that's a quote. Can't say that. Okay. And so then, <laughs> uh, then the plot devices come back and shoot the time tunnel again. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> Kachansky falls, has time during this fall to call Lister. And then they have time to run back to the ship get a crossbow and rope and run back and then shoot the crossbow. And now, she has she has the ability to gauge how long mm. they need to take to <laughs> to get yeah. her before she's lost forever. And <laughs> Yeah, my suspension of disbelief definitely, was kind of strained there. Um, it was incredibly plot devicey here. It needed to be much yeah. snappier. And the fact that why couldn't hard the light people from her ship have gone and got a crossbow? Didn't like I mean, catch they her. Apparently... There was a gag in there as well, which they should have lost. Yeah. They gave their only crossbow away. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, what gag now? Oh, there, there, there was a gag between Crichton and Lister where he said, Oh, I thought this harpoon would come in handy the next time you run into your wife. And yeah, I thought maybe oh, yeah. you know just get on with the action at that point instead of trying to do jokes. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, she's only falling to her death. I mean, there's no need not to have witty banter. <laughs> yeah. But um, what did you think of Crichton's line <laughs> at the very end? You know, where they've actually got the harpoon into into her leg. <laughs> oh, yeah, the obscene phone call. That was good. But, oh, yeah, when that harpoon goes in, like, Angela and I are both like, ow! And then and her she reaction. plays it off well, too. <laughs> her delivery there was, like, I was rolling at that. Yeah. You didn't see the padding, then? Not particularly. No. no. They, I mean, the way they filmed it, you know, you you don't really have time to look at and stuff. I thought it was very effective. Note, definitely, mm-hmm. you know, but, um, but that said, yeah. the, the sound sells it as well. well the I mean, the harpoon going in. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Yeah. And she's already got those leather pants, which were crinkling <laughs> in odd ways. Because, you know, leather pants. Seriously. Look, when, when you're in space... Uh, it is customary <laughs> to do Electra cosplay. So I, I yeah, see nothing odd about that. I just expect her to have a pair of socks. How saggy her, this, and... these trousers make her, you know, and how not confident she feels wearing them. But it turns out it was all just to make this uh, this harpoon sequence work. So, yeah, everything's worth it. Yeah. Mm <laughs> hmm. Uh, I mean, okay. seriously. Plus, you know that you only wear leather pants if you're evil. Oh, yeah. 
And as soon as a character turns evil, they wear leather pants. Buffy wore leather pants regularly when she wasn't evil. Her big scene of wearing red leather pants was when she was going to... uh, Spoilers, spoilers, spoilers for season three, (laughs) if anyone hasn't seen that. Um, But when she was going to kill Faith to save Angel. So she was already walking down the dark side there. But she wore leather pants other times. But the, the red difference. leather pants. <laughs> so she, she she's, a, she's a Mord Sith? That's what you're saying? <laughs> Why do I want to break her into a tune of red, red leather, yellow leather? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Let's see then. Okay, oh, and how bad do you feel for Hologram Lister? I know, his I life know. sucks now. Dude cannot hang on to his woman. Mm-mm. He should have stepped up and... I know she was like, she missed she missed the the edge there by inches. Yeah. Why wasn't he there That's to really good waiting point. to catch her? And, and you know, he could see her. That scene, like the mechanics of it to create the situation where she was stranded was We can only assume that suspect. Hologram Lister and yeah. the rest of the crew were immediately uh dragged back because otherwise the last we see of Hologram Lister is him just going, No, um, surely he's not standing yeah. there the whole time <laughs> while this is happening. Or, or what's more likely, I suppose, <laughs> is that, that the alternative crew also run back to their Red Dwarf to try and take a chance. But our crew, yeah, oh, our and, the, and they weren't back yet. Mm. No, 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 they were there um, to to catch her when she was first running because, oh, yes. like, yeah. oh, that's true. Uh, yeah, she Kat saw and them. Were holding him back. Yeah. He was, like, struggling against them. Oh, well. It's it's it's, it's a sweaty premise. They needed this to happen, so it happened. You know? Yeah. Um, but there you go. Uh, and then we get to the end where Lister puts baby Lister under the pool table. Mm. Uh, I did notice in this scene um, that the only thing that differentiates regular pool and grav <laughs> pool is that the table is ridiculously suspended from the ceiling by chains. <laughs> not not sure the point of this futuristic spacey grav pool. Especially since the chains would get in the way of making a shot. All future sports, they're the you same as our sport, they just zero gravity. That's how that's how they're future. <laughs> but but it's but hanging it from chains isn't gravity. zero gravity. It's just <laughs> Dumb. <laughs> well, maybe it's sort of like air hockey. You turn it on, and the balls are slightly We'd above need to the see table. It in action. Yeah. Maybe there we go. <laughs> um. So yeah, we find out then that Lister is his own father, and that his girlfriend, and eventually, at least in another dimension, wife, um, is mm-hmm. also his mother. <laughs> Okay, he take it away. Take it away. And, uh, yeah, so, genetics um, would suggest that if one were to be one's own father, then the resulting child would be really, really messed up. Um, I think I chose not to to think about it too (laughs) deeply. Um, I do like the way Lister 
sort of explains the revelation, you know, kind of as it's occurring to him, he's saying it, kind of, I'm my own father, and Chris is my ex-girlfriend and my mum. I do like the way he sort of says that out loud. And he's kind of working yeah. through himself. But yeah. Yeah, it's, I, I, I didn't want to think too deeply about it. Well, the only thing that, uh, and this is, and it, the reasoning of it doesn't make sense when held to anything at all, but okay. <laughs> so, we have Lister, whose DNA is 100% Lister, and then you have Kachansky, whose DNA is 100% Kachansky, right? Mm-hmm. They have a child, then theoretically that child would be 50% Lister, 50% Kachansky. That child then has a child with... Um, Kachansky. With Kachansky. Uh, but then, okay, now you know what? I even had it backwards. Because then you would only have 25% of original Lister's DNA. And then, this reminds okay, you know me what? Of, no, it doesn't make sense. There's Austin no Powers way to make when this. When Basil Wick's physician just looks to the camera and says, my advice is just not to worry about it. <laughs> just, you know, just go with it. And then yes. Austin Powers just goes, yeah. <laughs> The, it's the, been a very yeah. long day, guys. Oh, My no brain, brain is hurting right about now. You know, usually <laughs> the time travel paradoxes or paradoxi, hmm. uh, I, I, I can, I can sort of say, okay, yeah, that makes a strange sort of sense. <laughs> There's no justifying this. I'm <laughs> sorry, it's utterly ridiculous. Um, I think bless him, Futurama did a better job with Fry being his own grandfather than this one did with Lister well, being his own father. Well, because I can't really um, remember. I remember it happening. I can't remember the the revelation how how it really worked in Futurama. Yeah, he accidentally um, got his grandfather killed um, when they went back in time but, to the fifties. Yeah, when they went back in time, and so then. In order for him to exist, he had to father himself, or father his father. Yeah. Uh, but it did cause uh, an aberration in that his brain was malformed and doesn't have the delta brain wave that allows the evil brains from space to uh, control people. So they sort of, you know, they, they timey-wimey it in a, a weird sort of way where you can half-wink at it and say, okay, well, I guess that makes sense. Yeah. This one... I, I can't wrap my brain around. <laughs> it was weird. It felt kind of out of place. <laughs> and incesty. It, and incesty. But it, it felt just, I, I don't know. It felt like it was something that just didn't really fit in with the Red Dwarf universe. I mean, I know they've done time travel before, and they've been playing really fast and loose with time travel mm. lately, by the way. Um, and... and so that last scene know. that's so touching, where he's just talking that... to himself, you're still in a state of ooh at that point, I'm imagining. Just... <laughs> uh-huh. Indeed. Yep. Yeah. yeah, and they 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 have like the music going, being all thoughtful and sort of doing the TNG thing there, trying to fade out on a poignant note, and we're like, yeah, yeah. So... <laughs> oh well. I I do have one um, final comment from Chris Barry in the uh, commentary booth. Uh, they turn to him yeah. probably as, as the credits are rolling, and you know Chris Barry has this to say. 
Well, you pulled out all the stops and you nearly succeeded. So, you know, he's a, he's a really <laughs> nice guy. <laughs> yeah. They were taking chances. I will give them that. Yeah, yeah, that they were. <laughs> I mean, I have, like, I have much less, fewer problems with Kachansky than I do with just this weird mm. shift in tone. There were bigger problems, maybe, mm. yeah. Like this real... Than Kachansky. But, um... I am. I guess this episode did its job in one way. It's you know it brought in a new character. It established that there's going to be a new character dynamic mm-hmm. um, with with the main cast, and I'm I'm curious, very curious, to see how it's going to work out. So they're like, I'm definitely anxious to see the next episode. Yeah, and uh, I'm also curious to see because you know they had Rimmer in this episode, so apparently. Um, Chris Berry's still around. They didn't get rid of him to get rid of him. So are they going to just keep finding excuses to have Rimmer flashbacks? Or or is he going to be back very soon? It's nice he's still in there. I don't know. There. We'll have yeah. to find out. So, but, you know, in this episode, it's nice he's still in there. There's still that um, little bit of Barry magic yeah. just in the middle. Yeah. So I'm, I'm rather perplexed as to the decision there. Yes. So we'll find out. Well. Any other notes there, uh, Shane? Uh, all I've got left is quote. So, yeah, sorry, carry on. Oh, um. Okay. Why, near the beginning, is Cat apparently playing baseball? <laughs> yes! <laughs> he runs in with a baseball glove and baseball. He has That's never awesome. Well, it's a kind of ever. like junior angler back in Time Slides where he's just playing games and Durex Volleyball and Soap Sud Slalom. <laughs> I've forgotten all the games they played. <laughs> I guess so. It was just odd. I was like, is he carrying a baseball glove and baseball? What? Yeah. <laughs> well, now they've got a bigger yeah, ship. he's got more room. He's got more room to get a good pitch in. Yeah, mm. true. Yeah. <laughs> Well, but no, but we know where he was. He he had to be at at the controls because yeah. he saw the space thing coming. So he was just, I guess, throwing the baseball against the ship's Being viewport. <laughs> <laughs> There's like a little crack there where yes. he continuously. <laughs> that would be quite a nice line. Hey man, what's this crack here? What's this crack on the? And he says, man? "Whoops!" <laughs> every time yeah. it hits. Been quite nice to get that in there, maybe. <laughs> oh, I don't know. <laughs> Yeah. Like Steve McQueen in The Great Escape. Just, you know. <laughs> Could you describe the ruckus? Um, okay. Well, let's uh, pause here uh, for an ad, and then we will get to some feedback. Be back with you in just a minute. Board the Night Bus, a fun and light-hearted look at the Harry Potter books, chapter by chapter. Uh, sorry, you, you don't get to complain, Rosie. I'm having a very hard time with thoughts that probably can't be expressed on this podcast. Because Hedwig was like, whatever, and Harry was like, shut And Harry is being a bit of an emo bitch. Okay, this is getting violent and creepy again, guys. Yes, it is. Okay, I'll be quiet. 
Let's be sensible for one second. It's all weird. Welcome to Aboard the Night Bus, the podcast in which we painstakingly pick apart every part of the Harry Potter books and prove that they're irreparably contrived in the pocket. <laughs> oh, crap. Well, back to Harry Potter, kids. I should stop hating on Harry Potter. <laughs> He's gonna pop some tags. Only got 20 galleons in his pocket. Aboard the Night Bus. Subscribe on iTunes, join our Facebook group, and email us at aboardthenightbus at gmail.com. And we are back, and we are going to start off our. Um, feedback with a voicemail from Nutty Nuchas. Nutty was originally uh, supposed to be our guest, but she had to travel and was unable to make it back. So sad. Uh, and luckily, I'm, I'm Kachansky to, to her rimmer. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Oh, nice one. Um, but she was kind enough to uh, send us a voicemail giving her thoughts on the up. So let's have uh, a listen. Hi, Shane, Heath, Angela, and Paul. So, this is Nuke Joss, and I have tried my damnedest to get home in time to record Auroboros, because it is my favorite episode. It's the first one, well, one of my favorites. It's the first one I requested to guest on way back when you guys were covering season one. And, of course, because I didn't realize... When you were recording it, it happened to be on my travel day, and I'm looking at my ETA and realizing I'm going to get home two hours after you record the episode, which makes me very sad. So, I'm recording this on my phone, hoping to find one of those uh, travel stops or McDonald's with free Wi-Fi so I can email it to you so you can play it during the show and tell you why I like this so much. Some people may have issues with the new Kachansky, and some people may not like that there's no rumor, but I think it's very interesting to see a what-if scenario. What if it wasn't Lister that was brought back? What if it wasn't Lister in stasis? What if Lister was a hologram? Could he then evolve because he doesn't have these human urges and base needs and desire for curry? Um, I like that Cat's still there and that uh, Crichton is still there. and They don't have their rumor either, which makes you wonder, was he ever there? Is there, is there a rumor of that dimension or was he just never woken up because you can only have one hologram? And it makes you wonder, was Lister woken up because he drives Kachansky crazy? Or, by Holly, or, and, 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 and that being a hologram, eventually he stopped driving her bonkers and, and, and they could develop a relationship. Or that Holly could tell that Kachansky, even though she had no reason to, really did have feelings for 
Lister or there was some sort of a connection there and that he would be the perfect one to wake to make her not go crazy. Regardless of all of that and how they connect and oh it's so fun when the Gelf come get back right? His wife and all that. Um, but that, that we find out that Dave is his own father. We've got a bootstrap paradox going on in Red Dwarf. And it's so cute because he's this little baby under the pool table and it's so sad. But it's, it's kind of sweet, you know? The human race lives forever in a paradoxal loop. And how nice was it that Lister was going to just, you know, give his donation to Kachansky even though he didn't get to he wasn't going to keep the girl I just love that I love it Um, but yet again we flash forward to the birth of Dave Lister's children and, and we get rid of them very very quickly didn't lose an arm this time I hope you guys enjoyed it I hope you don't give it a two or something like that I I love it. And I may be the only one. I don't know. I just, when I first saw that, the very first time I saw that, which was only maybe four years ago, I it just blew my mind. It blew my mind. So I hope you all enjoy it. I'm sorry I'm not there for the recording. Urgh. I'll have to jump on for another. I hope my replacement is uh, having fun and doing a fantastic job. Okay, thank you, Nutty. And, um, yeah, yeah, uh, you had a much more positive reaction than I might have expected. Um, yeah. I mean, I liked this episode. I, I, I don't dislike this episode, but I, I don't know that it's my favorite by any means. Yes, that that's a positive reaction. That is... Uh, Definitely. Um, you know, I thought I was maybe being a bit too positive, because I, I always thought <laughs> I found this episode interesting rather than enjoyable. But talking it through, I'm definitely seeing its stronger points. Same as last week, actually. Like, with Stoke Me a Clipper, I, I never rated it so highly, but hearing what everyone else had to say, I guess I'm just easily led. (laughs) (laughs) We will bring you to our point of view. Oh, yes, we will. (laughs) Yes, indeed. Oh, uh, fun thing there. Nettie uh, correctly identifies Lister being his own father as a bootstrap paradox, uh, which is a nice time travel paradox where, uh, yeah, the thing has to exist in order for the thing to exist. Hmm. In order for Lister to exist, Lister has to be his father. But for Lister to be his father, Lister has to exist. Um, My favorite one is probably in um, uh, Somewhere in Time by actually uh, the late Richard Matheson. Just passed away. Mm. A great science fiction author that um, he wrote the novel and it was a a popular movie uh, with Christopher Reeve. Um, But yeah, there's there's a... At one point, there's a watch... And the watch is given to somebody who gives it to somebody uh, when they travel back in time. But we never know where the watch comes from. 
there's mm-hmm. no watch prime. Uh, it's either given to somebody um, who gives that, it back that, to that the other person. Yeah. So in order for a person to give them the watch, then they had to have gotten the watch from that person. But who did they get it from? Well, them. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a bootstrap paradox. So, um, yeah, it, it bothers me a little more, I guess, uh, in this case, mainly because genetics would indicate that Lister would be a monster. <laughs> so i don't know um i don't know maybe he should get with the gelf woman there you go yeah Uh, that's made in heaven yes yeah plus you know uh, the whole edible thing with your girlfriend is your mom yeah Mm. it gets really weird Mm mm-hmm <sighs> but so, as a sort of a, a one-line concept, Lister is his own dad. Mm. I, I, on that level, I've always quite liked it, even though it's shot past so quickly in the episode. It, it, it's such a big revelation, and it just comes and goes. Um, I've always just liked it just as a one-line idea. Uh, let's see. The rest of our feedback, I'm looking for. It's gotten bumped down a bit. Yeah. Yeah, well, while you're looking, I'll go ahead and start with Russ Greenos. Um, the Gelfs, who a few years ago were savages on a planet, are now flying spaceships. What's that all about? Uh, we kind of talked about that. But, uh, then we find out that Lister is his own dad and his ex-girlfriend is his mother, that doesn't make any sense genetically. (laughs) And the simple answer of the universe making it happen to create a paradox so that the human race carries on is total codswallop, if you ask me. (laughs) Red Dwarf hasn't jumped the shark. It has crashed headfirst into a planet of sharks. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, he spoiled us on the next episode. No. no. Shark planet. Uh, bad Ross. You know, I don't know. What was that? That's Bad Ross. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know that it's a shark jumping moment for me. I think it was a bold concept that just kind of doesn't work for me. But you know. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It's a, forget all this poetry stuff and the human race always existing. It's genetics, man. <laughs> uh, yeah. So. Uh, Rosie says, uh, I'm afraid for once I may have to agree with you, Russ Grano, and believe me, that's painful enough. Uh, but this oh, episode wow. uh, does feel very much like they panicked and just threw as much crap at the walls to see what would stick. They did throw in a whole bunch of stuff from the book. Hmm. Yeah. And that's, that's kind of a trend I've found, is that um, it seems like uh, Doug Naylor is wanting to... Um, to reach back a little and get some of the things from the books that uh, are from the established history that maybe never made it into the show. Mm-hmm. Like, casually mentioning that Crichton uh, accidentally killed the crew with the Nova 5. Yep. Mm. Um, somebody want to read Sam? Best bit about this episode is Crichton's impression of Kuchesnitsky Kr- Kr- walking. I think <laughs> this... Di- I think this to being his own father is definitely a strange way to go and would have worked better if it had been had more comedy to play off with it. The, this episode is definitely more sci-fi drama than sci-fi sitcom. 
I think that's why it's so unpopular. Either that or Wanya Crichton. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and then we have Ian. And mm-hmm. Ian says, One of the most complex, multifaceted, and three-dimensional characters in the history of sitcom has just left the show. I agree. Uh, let's replace him with a photocopy of a cardboard cutout that was found in a drawer marked Female Archetypes, despite the fact that this will change all the existing characters into whining, fawning parodies of themselves. Great job, everyone. You know, I just don't see it that way, Ian. Um, You know, I wonder if it's less the um, characterization of Kachansky and more how the male characters around her change in reaction to her. Hmm. Maybe. Because, yeah, Whitey Crichton got on my nerves a bit. Um, yeah. But now Lister has always crushed on at least the memory or idea of Kachansky. Yeah. Um, so I don't really see that as much of a change for him. Cat uh, being weird around Kachansky, I think they're just playing for humor, so that yeah. doesn't bother me particularly much. Um, but again, we've only seen the one episode. I'm wondering if some of this might be pointing toward future episodes. I don't know. Maybe not. Who knows? I'll take Ewan's. It's Angela's dream! <laughs> Sadly, this episode does suffer from the lack of rumor, but we did have some rumor. Um, but I agree with Ian that Kachansky is poorly written and her introduction hurts the show. Uh, still, I like the episode in places. It has some nice model work. Yes, it does. With the Gelf <laughs> ship and the storyline with Risk. Uh, Lister's origins is quite effective. Mm. Um, I don't think it's too much of a stretch for the Gelfs to have a spaceship since they have an oxygeneration unit in Emohawk, but I do take issue with Lister's persistence at trying to effectively steal Kachansky from the other Lister. It seems inconsistent with this character. For example, in Dimension Jump, he was happy that Spanners was doing a lot better than him. See, I didn't see um, Lister as trying to steal Kachansky. I thought he seemed really pleased that suddenly he had a female on the ship and <laughs> that she was stuck there, but I and didn't that she view happened it as, to be Kachansky. Yeah, and that it was Kachansky. But I, I don't think he did anything to actively thwart um, her getting home. Or He seemed resigned when, uh, when uh, you know, he says, oh, it really worked out for you guys. You know, he, he, he accepts that, you know, the hologram lister is the one who Kachansky is with. So, yeah, I completely agree. He's not, you know... And that was also a callback. Yeah, it it was a callback. Well, he was jealous, but he wasn't like... It it was a callback to the same reaction to... um, uh, Help me out with episode names here. uh, When he saw himself marrying Kachansky, but thought it was Mm -hmm. somebody else. Uh, uh, Stasis Link. Stasis Link. Yeah. Yeah. He had sort of the same reaction. Yeah. He, he was out, happy but... that she was happy, but he was oh. upset. <laughs> oh, yeah, he had that reaction where he rants about, oh, I bet he's really into, you know, house prices and, you know, he has wine it's with his It's always wine. Flakes. Never yeah. be. It's always wine. <laughs> <laughs> Drink the cereal oh. with some wine. <laughs> <laughs> wow, you can yeah. tell all that just by looking at him. <laughs> oh, so I didn't find that terribly inconsistent. Uh, now, yeah, the, the, that line that was cut, uh, in the one, he says, you know, uh, so it worked out for you two, couldn't be happier ex- uh, except for major dental surgery. So, yeah, he was a bit bitter, but you know what? He's lonely. I, I can forgive him for 
maybe grudging his alternate dimension self a happy life with Kachansky. Yeah. Um, There's a line like that in in the first novel which you've just read. So um, is it okay to quote this line? Yeah. Sure. Um, it's it's in the first novel. It's just um, what could be nicer, thought Lister, than drinking real Spanish coffee, apart from having your whole body vigorously rubbed by a man with a cheese grater. Yes. <laughs> well, that was a much nicer line. <laughs> You know, that novel, I really enjoyed that novel. And I think some of the, like, um, some of, of Rob's and, and Doug's humor, I think, works almost better in print than it does on the show. Because sometimes the lines can get clunky. Like, um, like when Crichton, this episode, what was it? Uh, faster than something in a nunnery? Oh, goodness. Oh, yeah. faster than a copy of Hello in a Nunnery. That was another strange lo- lo- like the Oxfam line yeah just, right well wh- why are you mentioning that <laughs> what's that right. got to do with anything <laughs> like sometimes I, when when you, when they try to say those lines it's like nobody would ever say that it doesn't i mean it's funny but it doesn't necessarily flow particularly well but when people are thinking it or when it's done in an aside in print uh it it's i think more natural and works better so i have recently Listen to the first novel as an audiobook, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that is fantastic. Yeah, awesome. Chris well, Berry. Chris Berry reads it, and it oh. is absolutely amazing. It's it's the most worthwhile thing you can get on Audible. Well, yeah. in my opinion, <laughs> yeah. Well, well I really like. Go ahead. I haven't read the novel, but um. And I possibly won't be able to until I finish writing my dissertation, um, <laughs> which will be a couple months. Um, but Heath uh, quoted a few things, and especially the whole sequence where it explained why uh, Rimmer never gets around to studying for his oh, exams. That was awesome. <laughs> yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> that was one of the most amazing things. But you can't translate that into television. Yeah. It's like, you know, this long, long explanation that's just so funny and builds and builds and builds. And it's funny in its uh, longness, you know, mm-hmm. that, you know, it's a really, really long joke. Um, is that where he puts his palm onto the exam paper? And, well, it, or it, it leads up the, to... Th- yeah, yeah. It, it leads up to that, Um but yeah, it's, it talks about his process of, you know, he spends this long, he spends most of his time making his schedule uh, and coloring everything. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and this is Cerulean, and this is Mauve, and this is, yeah. And then, like, the process of, you know, he, he's going to do this this day, except this comes up, and then, well, you know, but you really need, yeah, you, you have to be well-rested to study. So he's not going to study today, he's going to sleep, and then tomorrow, uh, but then he has to redo the schedule to make up for that lost day, and that takes up most of the next day. And so, it, yeah, just that sort of really great uh, building humor. And, you know, both both Heath and I, as grad students... yep. We really understood exactly <laughs> what he yep. was talking about. Like, I can't well, write any to... today. I've, you know, most of the day is gone. Yeah. <laughs> I've got Facebook to do. We won't get um, more into that detail because we'll be doing a podcast on the books. Someday. Someday. 
Sunday. Um, so, Russ Bruno says they are traders. Um, they only got the OG unit by trading something. Okay, I'm getting a... Does somebody Sorry. have an electronics near their microphone? Uh, I've just chewed mine away. I don't think ah. it was mine, but I've chewed it away anyway. It wasn't on mine. But, yeah. I'll it's just gone. reread that so I can get it. Uh, Russ says they are traders. They got the OG unit by trading something. Yeah, possible. They could have gotten the ship by trading something, too. Yeah, Sam, that's what Sam says. They maybe scavenged it from a derelict ship. Um, uh, originally, Starbug had to rely on stored air. Maybe Crichton went back aboard the Esperanto and took theirs once it was discovered that they lost the dwarf. Yeah. Um, Stephen Fletcher writes, When I first saw this episode at the age of ten, I didn't think I really liked it much. The same goes for Ticket to Ride. It's kind of strange because there are episodes that have grown on me over the years, and now I would I would have both episodes in my list of favourites. I love them both, even though they have their flaws. I enjoyed watching them. There are two things that stand out for me in Robberus. Craig Charles' performance and the music played during the Baby Lister scene might be my favourite music cue on the show. It really adds a nice atmosphere to the episode. I also like Lister being his own father. I think it's a quite interesting idea, but I'm starting to get a feeling that he's an engine and might not be too fond of it. <laughs> yeah. There are a couple of things that I don't get on with this episode, though. Whiny and annoying Croton. And even though I don't like Kachansky as much as the Did, others... Don't, don't dislike Kachansky. Sorry, yeah, I don't dislike Kachansky as much as the others. You can tell there is some more to be done with her character. True enough. Um, the music in the Baby Lister scene, um, mm-hmm. I'm assuming that's library music um, that they're using. I don't know, I'm assuming. But it does, I've always liked that music. It reminds me of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, where the computer's talking and those lovely sort of keyboards that go underneath. So mm-hmm. yeah, I, I, I agree with uh, Stephen there. I, I like what they were going for there. It was just lost on me, personally, because I was still reeling over the whole... But, you know, they, they did do, I mean, it, it, it was a, a very evocative. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I just, it didn't work for me, but that wasn't its fault. I, yeah, it was, it was good, uh, good music and, and good, uh, you know, fading out on the, on just the shot of space there. So. I've, uh, I've got quite a boring point to make. Well, I hope it's not too boring. But uh, you've seen the extended and the broadcast version. On the original and broadcast version, there was no uh, opening title sequence. Mm, there wasn't, that. no. But mm. uh, on the extended version, there is an opening title sequence. Mm. But on that opening title sequence, they don't do the dropped frame film effect. And so mm. you can see it as the original video. So you kind of get an idea of what the series would have looked like if they hadn't I've bored myself. <laughs> but, but yeah, you see where I'm going. Oh, I'll, I'll have to look for that, yeah. I think I think it will come up again, but yeah, it might be worth just having another look at that title sequence on the extended version. Mm-hmm. Uh, and finally, Sam <laughs> says, I like the idea of Lister being his own father too. It's quite funny. Brings the whole new meaning to a certain conversation in The Last Day. I don't remember that conversation, but I will. Uh, the problem is that we didn't have Rimmer being his usual supportive self when this information is discovered. The last day. 
I yeah, do. That's, yeah, that's where Lister first mentions that he was found under a pool table in a cardboard box, and he doesn't yeah. know who his parents are. Okay. I do wonder um, what Rimmer's reaction would have been. Because, yeah, Rimmer really rarely misses an opportunity to, you know, make uh, Lister feel more miserable uh, in any given situation. Uh, but when it comes to fathers, yeah. that's kind of Rimmer's, his, you know, one a, a sticking point for him. So I wonder if, if he would have been as snide and hard. Well, that makes sense, but, you know, um, uh, insult, <laughs> insult, insult. Or, yeah. or if, if he might have been a little more understanding given that it's it's a father thing yeah i think he would have reacted in a similar way to how he sort of reacts in the episode before you know when ace rimmer comes on the ship and rimmer's just uh you know so repulsed by the whole thing i think it would have been a bit like that repulsed and dismissive kind of thing but yeah with Mm. some with some liners in there as well yeah maybe maybe because oh that's weird because in in a weird way now both Lister and Rimmer are fatherless, mm-hmm. um, essentially. So that's something else that would tie them together. Um, anyway, well, Lister can never be fatherless until he dies. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> sorry, sorry. And, hey, now he's going to get to know his mom. <laughs> Possibly <have> biblically. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Moving on. <laughs> Wait a minute. Oh my goodness. His kids. Uh-huh. Jim and, Jim and Bexley. Bexley. They are inbred. <laughs> yeah. And they were well, they would have been three inbred days any... after they were born. <laughs> yeah, the other versions of them would have been inbred because he had them with a female version of himself. He knows oh, how yeah. to pick them, doesn't he, Lister? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Huh. Anyway. Yeah. Okay, sorry, 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 sorry. Moving on. So moving our on. next special topics, uh, Lister <laughs> and Incest. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll contact Alex of the Garbage Podcast and put them on and um, ask him to put on the list. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh man. I think that's the end of our feedback. It is. It is. Thank you all for the <laughs> feedback. Um, yeah, a lot of mixed reactions to this episode, so mm-hmm. that's cool. Um, and and it's interesting th- to see. And I do think, like um, uh, Stephen pointed out, you know, a ten-year-old really wouldn't dig this. You know, yeah. I don't think. But you know, uh, someone who's older and can sort of grasp what's going on might appreciate it or perhaps be more grossed out by it. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> um, thank you all for the feedback. Please keep it coming on our Facebook group, uh, the Red Dwarf Introcast. You can send us an email or send us a voicemail. Like, uh, uh, Just record yourself and send it in an email like Nutty did. Um, and that is at the Red Dwarf, Pod- uh, the Red Dwarf Podcast at gmail.com. You can Twitter at us at Twitter.com slash Red Dwarf Intro. Yes, so definitely follow us there. Pop onto iTunes. Uh, maybe uh, subscribe. Maybe give us a, a nice rating and, and say something nice about us. Help other folks uh, find the show and join the fun and the squigginess. Um, so, yeah. 
Well, uh, moving forward then, Phil, thank you for joining us. Uh, last minute. Oh, it's been a pleasure. <laughs> it's been a pleasure. I've really enjoyed it. Thanks for having me. Oh, we have quotes. And... Oh, we have quotes. Oh, my quotes. goodness. It's just, sorry. Quotes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, We've got yes. to do ratings as well, Heath. Quote, man, I'm really out of it. Ugh. Oh, yeah. Oh. we got to do ratings, then quotes. Yes. All good things. <laughs> well, all good things must be done then. Uh, Phil, uh, start us out with ratings then. Well, um, b- before I came here tonight, um, I was going to give it four, but I've gone up to five blatantly padded thighs out of ten. <laughs> <laughs> that works. <laughs> nice. Um, I'm going to give this a seven out of ten um, of red leather pants. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah I think I agree I agree I, I like a lot of things about this some things were really weird um, 7 out of 10 really creepy time paradoxes <laughs> and I'm splitting the difference I'm going to be giving it a 6 out of 10 ridiculous walks oh, yeah. nice. that is a good yes, walk good mm-hmm. <laughs> Oh, and that, yeah, now we have another piece of the uh, opening sequence puzzle. We do. Mm. Uh, what did you call it? His effeminate cowboy walk? Yes. <laughs> and, yeah. So I had the effeminate part, right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, and it is time for quotes. Phil, as our guest, you get to go first. Uh, I have two. Shall I just do one for now and come back to another one? Yeah. yeah. Please. Okay, my first one is from the first scene. It's from uh, the guy who walks into the Aqua Farms. And I just really like the line, He must have been thicker than a ki- ticket tout wad. Um, I sort of mess that line up a bit, but, you know, I've always liked that one. <laughs> I will take a... Sir, they're demanding you return to your bride. In Gelf law, <laughs> separation is impossible without special disp- dispensation from... <laughs> 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 Chief Justice of <laughs> Just bravo You went wow. there <laughs> And then you went there again Brilliant wow. <laughs> Well you just threw the mind Heath But anyway I'm moving on Go ahead Shane <laughs> Well you just threw the mind It's just throw in it That's why um, you have two quotes Shane You should know well, that's, this that's, <laughs> and you should have known I would take that one. Yeah. It's a funny one. It's the only person I can do a decent impression of on the show. All I'm going to say is, You're lying! Yay! Oh. Oh. Get that on a t shirt. Oh, no, not whiny face. Shane. <laughs> um, I'm going to go. Um, hey, Officer Bed Babe. About that power simulimulimulimulimulimulimulimulimulimulimulimulimulimulimulimulimulimulimulimulimulimulimulimulimulimulimulimulimulimulimulimulimulimulimulimulimulimulimulimulimulimulimulimulimulimulimulimulimulimul
And that's it. That's all his knowledge he's passing on. Oh, did that get cut out of the... Um... I think it did. Yeah! Oh, that's another bit then. Okay. Yeah! Hmm. It wasn't just I didn't one-liners. Time, then, yeah. <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, we wrote uh, a reparus on the box to explain. I'm my own father, and Chris is my ex-girlfriend and my mum. You should write a letter to Playboy, but <laughs> I bet anything it'd get printed. <laughs> uh, yeah, oh. I mean, it, it took me a long time, actually, to understand what what Kat was calling Kachansky. I didn't pick up that he calls everybody <laughs> Bud, and so she's Bud Babe. I love it. <laughs> Officer Bud Babe. Officer Bud Babe. And again, in the original transmitted version, he just says, Officer Beebe? And mm. you've got no idea why he says that, and it's only when you see the extended version oh. that you hear him decide that he's going to call her Officer Bud Babe. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> I've got another one. Do it. It's an obscene phone call, sir. I think it's for you. <laughs> I hope that broke the tension after that sort of quite sloppy sequence, just to have quite a nice little gag at the end. Mm. Okay, here's one from um, Kachansky. I'm just trying to uh, find it. Um, Control F. Rimmer. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> Have sex with someone, and that's an order. Yes, ma'am. Right away, ma'am. <laughs> oh, a nice bit of... I just thought of it, but not even a line, really, but um, when Crichton is celebrating with the champagne and everything, oh, yeah. and when, when, like, she looks at him and says, thanks, Crichton, just <laughs> she really pulls that line off well. Yeah. I thought you were going to say when Kat says, what are we celebrating exactly? And Crichton just mouths, oh, yeah. she's leaving. <laughs> it <Yeah>. was nice. <laughs> that was, and then he skips down nice, the corridor. Yeah. yeah, that was good. That was good. <laughs> it, was, yeah, it was a good exchange all around, but I'm really hoping that they build on that, that relationship between Crichton and Kachansky. With, with less of the high-pitched whining stuff, yeah. but just him, him <laughs> because the, the contradiction of him being always sort of obsequious and and fawning and 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 serving uh the others and yet kind of despising her yeah uh will be really and then her re- reaction to that and how she copes with that i think there's a lot of of uh humor to be mined there if if they do it right oh uh, i have another one. Oh ha ha Remember, people who say ha ha have no sense of humor. They just can't think of any, uh, think of a witty report. So, ha ha. Uh, I really miss the audience reaction in, in the extended cut when he says ha ha. It's, mm-hmm. it's uh, you know, it, it should always have an audience, I think. Mm. <laughs> Excuse me, sir. Just doing a spot of dusting here. <laughs> <laughs> Quite and total gooseberry. <laughs> and, and, oh, what, what, what did you say there? Quite uh, and being a total gooseberry. <laughs> gooseberry. Ah, that's yeah. That's the, there, there's another phrase for that here, but I'm not going to say it on our podcast. We're too classy. 
<laughs> we are classy. We say th something instead of something. And we know our cheeses. <laughs> we do know our cheeses. <laughs> the opera. I've fallen asleep for a few, but. <laughs> oh, I love the little boy I am. <laughs> <laughs> My favourite opera. I'm gonna have to. Uh, I, I I have heard. Um, you know, I, I've heard that opera is a good thing to get into. I'm I'm not ready yet. I will get there. <laughs> Try out some rock opera. <laughs> Ease in, yeah. Yeah. There you go. St start with the Phantom of the Opera. Yes. <laughs> In all of its '80s overblown glory. <laughs> is Weber? Is he? I knew he got to Sir. Is he? Is he Lord Weber now? Oh, he must be. Yeah, Overlord <laughs> uh, Weber. Oh, Overlord Weber. Oh, <laughs> Weber. He does judge a lot of talent shows over here now, so yeah, he's very much yeah. a, a Simon Cowell character sometimes. Wow. Well, he proved that he may have lost his magic with writing musicals with that awful sequel, sequel to yeah. the sequel, Phantom. Yeah. Oh, Love never dies, but apparently it needs to. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Uh, any more quotes? No, I'm out. I'm out. I'm out. Okay. I do well, want to give a another nod to the um, high five between uh, yes. Kachansky and <laughs> Crichton. And the awkward <laughs> high five. Afterwards. Oh yeah, we hate each other. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, oh wait, well there's a quote. Uh, your type isn't Kachansky listy. It's someone called Tiffany. It's someone who drinks Campari and soda and wears orange crotch crotchless panties. <laughs> someone who thinks dealy boppers are funny. Someone who says something instead of something and laughs like a freshly wounded moose strapped to a cement mixer. <laughs> freshly wounded moose. Um, all right. Well, then, now that we've actually finished the show... Uh, Phil, thanks for coming on <laughs> last minute. Uh, no, and thank you very much. It's been a pleasure, and yeah, I'm looking forward to you know all the delights you've got coming your way. It's going to be interesting and non-spoilery. <laughs> there you go. Um, well, well, speaking of which, what do we have on the plate for next time, Shane? Duct soup. Duct, Duct soup. soup. Well, now there's the classic uh, Marx Brothers. A movie called Duck Soup. I have never seen that. I've heard the title. What what is it about? What do they do besides oh. just being the Marx Brothers? Oh, is that the one where they they're like, like ruling or? the country? Hmm. I Don't think know. so. You you theorize while I'm looking it up. Well, you're the old movie expert. I don't. Know. <laughs> um, no, she's looking up duck soup, not duck yeah. soup, just to <laughs> clarify there. Just, just to clarify, it's D-U-C-T. Right, right. And she's looking up the Marx Brothers movie, which is D-U-C-K. Yes. Um, I, I don't know, what's what's in the ducks of um, the, uh, the Starbug? Uh, I don't know, maybe they have yet another um, shapeshifter thingy in there. Maybe. Who knows? Oh, um, Duck Soup. Polymorph 3. <laughs> <laughs> Doug Soup is the one where uh, Groucho Marx uh, becomes Love the appointed out. leader of a small bankrupt country Hello? called Fredonia. 
um, and hijinks mostly ensues. Um, but it is famous for the mirror scene, uh, wherein uh, Groucho and yes. Harpo are. Uh, Harpo is wearing Groucho costume and um, pretending to mirror yeah. each other. Em- empty and- doorway and yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Love, love. You faded out for uh, for me for just a few seconds there. Uh, could you oh, guys sorry. hear? Yeah, fine. Yeah, all the, okay, I, I heard good, all good. of that. Yep, I, I remember okay. that scene as well, even though I haven't yeah. seen the film. Um, I have no guesses at all, frankly. I mean, some. It's been a while since we've had a decent monster episode, so yeah. I, maybe not another polymorph, but um. Maybe, especially since we found out that Starbug has mutated in strange ways because timey-wimey and blah, 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 blah. <laughs> um, then maybe there's there's going to be a thing that they have to fight. And that'll give them a chance to have action Kachansky um, and, and see, how, see how that dynamic works yeah. out. Maybe it's like um, something forms out of some genetic soup in the ducts. Oh. Of the Starbug. Look at you. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Made Genetic of soup. duct tape. <laughs> okay. Well, if left. that's the case, if that's the case, then it'll be like, um, if it's if it's a duct monster. No, that doesn't make sense. If they were still on the Red Dwarf, I would say it would be like an old cat legend of of a, of a monster. But mm. this is Starbugs, so yeah. that wouldn't make sense anymore. Oh well. Yeah, but maybe it, it's it maybe it's going to be like one of those where they're all sort of taken out alone, sort of sort of a, a horror movie vibe, mm-hmm. where it's like stalking them. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's let's just wait and see what we have coming up in Duck Soup. In the meantime, thank you for listening. Uh, find out just how silly our guesses are next week uh, with Depth Soup. Bye! 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 Oh, actually, stop. Actually, stop. Sorry, stop. Stop for that. <laughs>